Welcome to WADA, ADA Live Talk Radio, brought to you by Southeast ADA Center, your leader for information, training, and guidance on the Americans with Disabilities Act. And here's your host. Welcome to WADA ADA Live. On behalf of the Southeast ADA Center, the Burton Blatt Institute at Syracuse University, and the ADA National Network, welcome to Episode 56 of ADA Live. I'm Pam Williamson, Assistant Director of the Southeast ADA Center and your host for today's show. Today's episode of ADA Live will be discussing Medicare Medicaid, Benefits Enrollment Assistance. Today, over 10,000 individuals become eligible for Medicare due to age or disability. Learning about what Medicare covers and navigating the Medicare enrollment process can be very challenging. So it's my pleasure now to introduce today's guest from the National Council on Aging, also known as NCOA. Leslie Freed is the Senior Director of the Center for Benefits Access. NCOA is a respected national leader and respected partner in helping people age 60 and over to meet the challenges of aging. They collaborate with nonprofit organizations, government, and business to provide innovative community programs and services, online help, and advocacy. Leslie, welcome to our program. It's a pleasure to be with you. Well, before we begin today, let me remind you, ADA Live listening audience, you can submit your questions about Medicare, Medicaid, and benefits enrollment assistance at any time at adalive.org. So, Leslie, let's start our show today with an overview of the various pieces of Medicare. Can you tell us a little bit about that, please? I sure can. So, um, Medicare is split up into various parts. Uh, When it was established in 1965, it was sort of set up after the Blue Cross Blue Shield at the time. So, Part A is the uh, part of Medicare that covers hospitals, hospice, and very limited uh, skilled nursing care and, and some home health. Part B, as in boy, covers um, doctor's visits, uh, lab tests, um, outpatient rehabilitation services like physical therapy and occupational therapy, and a host of other um, outpatient type services. And that's the part of Medicare we call original Medicare or fee-for-service Medicare. Um, Part D, as in dog or drugs, is a separate part of Medicare that um, people purchase through private health insurance companies covering drug coverage only, like at the pharmacy. There's another part called Part C, which is um, a way of getting uh, Medicare benefits through a managed care uh, organization. You know, I've heard all of those 
part A, part B before, and now I think this is the first time I've fully understood what it means. So I appreciate that overview. Now that you've given us an idea and, and a little bit of um, understanding of these various parts of Medicare, can you talk about the specific services that Medicare might cover and then what it doesn't cover? Sure. So as I mentioned, um, when someone goes to the hospital, they would be covered primarily under Part A if they are admitted into the hospital. And so if you if someone falls and breaks a hip, they may be in the hospital for several days. That's generally going to be going to be covered under Part A. Um, if someone is in the hospital for a long period of time and then requires to go to the nursing home for the same reason that they are in the hospital and it's more than three days, then Medicare might cover a short period of time in a nursing home. But I do want to mention that Medicare generally does not cover nursing home care or long-term care and supports except for a very limited circumstances for a very short period of time. Um, as I mentioned, Medicare Part B, as in boy, covers your day-to-day -day, uh, medical services. Uh, let me mention something that you asked, which is what does Medicare not cover? And this is really important. Medicare generally doesn't cover things above the neck. It doesn't cover dental care. Um, it doesn't cover hearing or hearing aids. It covers um, virtually no vision care with the exception, uh, with a few exceptions. It doesn't cover annual physicals, like if, you, if anyone is used to going to the doctors for an annual physical. Medicare does not cover that. And Medicare does not cover care outside the United States. And many people are surprised that once they retire and they're on Medicare and they begin to travel outside the United States, that they may not have health care insurance from Medicare. Wow, this is very important information for us to know, especially um, as we um, qualify for Medicare or as those that we care for uh, may be eligible for Medicare. So you've talked about some of the other pieces, but can you talk more about the specific circumstances under which a person might want to apply for Part D of Medicare? Sure. So. Medicare Part D for drug coverage is actually fairly new to Medicare. It just started in 2006, so it's just 12 years old. And unlike the other parts of Medicare, it's, it's an optional benefit that people actually need to enroll and purchase from a private insurance company. And so um, somebody will look at the drugs that they are currently taking and look at the plans available in their state and decide which plan they want to uh, sign up for. And there are two types of Medicare drug coverage plans. One is called a, um, a prescription drug plan. It's a standalone plan, so someone pays the premiums and that's what they're getting is their drug plan. Another type is through a Medicare Advantage plan, which offers prescription drugs with it. 
And that is the Medicare Part C uh, coverage that I mentioned earlier. So there's two ways to get drug coverage. One is through a standalone plan, and one is through the Medicare Advantage plan that also covers drug coverage. So, and I've also heard of something called Medigap. Is there is there something, is there a connection between Medigap and Medicare Advantage, or is there differences? What What's the, what are the pieces there? So, this is a uh, it's a really important question, and it's one of the first questions we get when people are becoming eligible for Medicare. Um, Medicare has a lot of deductibles and coinsurance payment uh, payment requirements for anyone on Medicare. It does not cover a hundred percent, and so Medigap, also called Medicare Supplemental Insurance are plans that are designed to pay the deductibles, to pay those coinsurances, and so that people who go to the hospital uh, and have a, a, a large uh, deductible, over $1,000 per admission to the hospital, if they have Medigap insurance, that Medigap policy may cover that deductible. Similarly, if uh, Medicare under Part B, as in boy, generally cut, pays 80% of the physician fee. Well, a Medigap policy might pay that other 20%. There are a variety of um, Medigap policies. There are actually 10 types. They go, and they're all alphabetical, A, B, C, D. And it's, um, so those policies are um, easy to actually compare because they're standardized, but every state may have a, a different, um, different options within their state. So the Medigap really, it could be, could it be provided by the state or is it all private? Uh, Medigap policies are all private insurance. Um, and when I mentioned earlier that things to consider when someone's first enrolling in Medicare, the first choice they have to make is, do I want to get standard, original, fee-for-service Medicare care and then buy a prescription drug plan and buy a Medigap policy? That's one option, really, to, to have full coverage. Or... Option two is to get a Medicare Advantage plan that has to cover all of fee-for-service Medicare, A and B, and prescription drugs. And so those are the, the two options that most people choose between when they first become eligible for Medicare. So, well, thank you for that great explanation because it can get very confusing at times. So... And another thing that can get confusing, at least in my experience, is that there's often confusion between Medicare and Medicaid. So can you tell us the difference between those and how Medicare might coordinate with coverage like Medicaid? Sure. And this is something that lots of people get confused about. And uh, we get lots of questions, even from our policymakers on Capitol Hill. So Medicare is 
health insurance that people um, who have been working their whole lives have been paying into through their federal taxes. And when they become age 65 or older or have been on Social Security disability for two years, they automatically become eligible for. Medicaid or medical assistance is a needs-based program to help people pay their health care costs uh, when they cannot afford them. Medicare is run through the federal government. Medicaid or medical assistance is run through the state government. And for Medicaid, it really varies from state to state and can include waivers to serve specific groups of people. And in addition, since the Affordable Care Act, some states have expanded their Medicaid to um, a larger population. So the two programs are, are quite different. Medicare will generally be a primary payer if someone's enrolled in Medicare. Medicaid is always the payer of last resort. So to make sure I understand, Medicare is federally operated and it's the system that we all pay into via our paychecks and, and that we qualify for after um, we start our Social Security. Medicaid is run by state and it could vary from state to state and it's going to uh, also, uh, and it could be, it's also it's going to be the path of last resort. Medicare is also going is going to be the first um, payee, and if in this situation, is that right? That is correct. And there are over 10 million people who are eligible for Medicare and Medicaid, and so Medicare will pay first, and Medicaid will pay second. And again, it's a needs-based program, so people generally are of lower income and, and limited assets. So people can have both Medicare and Medicaid um, if, it's, uh, if the uh, person is eligible on a needs-based um, reason um, to get Medicaid. That's right? Correct. Excellent, excellent. Okay, well, that's um, quite a uh, that's good to know because it's a it can as we said earlier it can get a little bit confusing. So let's talk a little bit more about Medicare eligibility and how someone actually enrolls for it. So is, is enrollment automatic? Well, it depends. As you mentioned, anyone who is on Social Security, receiving Social Security benefits um, will be automatically enrolled. Now, someone who's under 65 and on Social Security disability will be automatically enrolled uh, after 24 months of receiving Social Security disability uh, benefits. Someone who is receiving Social Security early retirement when they turn 65, they will be automatically enrolled. However, for those people not receiving Social Security or, or actually railroad retirement benefits also, uh, those people who are not automatically enrolled, they actually have to affirmatively enroll in Medicare. And they have what's called an initial enrollment period 
it's a seven-month period surrounding someone's 65th birthday. So three months before someone turns 65, the month that they turn 65, and three months after uh, they turn 65, that is their initial enrollment period. That is the time when they should be enrolling in, in Medicare Part A and Part B and possibly Part C and D. It's during that seven months. So if a person is not eligible for automatic enrollment, 65 is the is a magic number and the and that seven and that seven month period is something folks need to be very aware of. Is that what I'm understanding? That is absolutely correct. And if someone signs up during the three months before their 65th birthday, then their Medicare coverage begins the first day of their birthday month. If they sign up later, then the Medicare coverage might be a bit delayed. So, so what about the folks that are still working at 65 um, or later and they've got health insurance through their employer? What, what happens then? Well, so, again, it depends on um, how large their employer, uh, how, how large their employer is. Uh, people can delay signing up in Medicare without incurring a penalty for late enrollment. If their employer has more than 20 employees, if they're 65 or older, if the, in, the enrollee, or if the employer has more than 100 employees, if the individual is under 64. So um, for someone with disability, who may be covered by um, their own insur employer coverage or they have a spouse or partner who they're covered for active employment and that employer has more than 100 employees, they can delay, they certainly can delay their Medicare enrollment. However, if somebody, if the employer is under 100 employees and the individual is 64 or younger, then they will really need to talk to the employer who's providing coverage because the uh, assumption is Medicare would be their primary if somebody um, is uh, in that age group. And let me explain why that's important. For, there are two reasons. One is that some employer insurance policies say if someone's eligible for Medicare, we expect them to sign up for Medicare and we will only pay secondary to that. If on the, so, so that's really important for Medicare coverage. In addition, if somebody does not sign up for Medicare when they're first eligible, and they, because they have uh, employer group health insurance, then they, can, they have what's called a special enrollment period later, and they can sign up later. So that's really important. If somebody misses their initial enrollment period and doesn't sign up when they should have, they could be charged a penalty, and it's a 10% increase of the Part B uh, or D uh, insurance for every 12 months they're late, and that's forever. So it's really important to, that people make informed decisions 
about when to sign up for Medicare um, because they can get hit with a penalty. And I can tell you that the calls that most uh, community-based organizations receive are when people are enrolling in Medicare and they're very confused or they miss their Medicare enrollment period and then when they do sign up, they get hit with a late enrollment penalty. I'm beginning to realize that there are a lot of factors that need to be considered, and so I'm very grateful that we're chatting today because it's a lot of stuff for people to take in. Uh, but what if a person actually has to pay for Medicare costs themselves? I mean, is the process of enrollment different, or are there things that they need to be aware of? What do we need to share with folks about this? So when someone signs up for Medicare, Part A is usually free because, as I mentioned earlier, that's the part that you've been, people have been paying for their entire working life. So Part A is generally free, assuming they or their spouse has, um, has been working and contributing to their FICA withholdings. Part B, as in boy, is not free, and there is a monthly premium. So when someone signs up for Medicare, uh, they um, the Part A is free. Part B, the premium will be generally deducted from someone's Social Security or railroad retirement benefits if they are collecting on Social Security or railroad retirement. If they are not collecting yet, then they can um, they can get a Medicare bill and pay either online through um, electronic bank transfer, they can pay by check or money order, or even by credit or debit card. So what if someone can't afford to pay for the Medicare premiums or the cost sharing? Is there assistance available for people? Yes, there is. There um, are programs called um, Medicare savings programs, which are financed by Medicaid. Uh, they help pay with Medicare premiums and the cost sharings, the deductibles and coinsurance payments that I mentioned earlier. There are four different programs that um, cover uh, more for the low lowest of income and uh, cover less for um, for people who are a little bit higher income. Um, these are for pre very low income people, 100% uh, of poverty or less um, for the most expansive program and then up to 135% of poverty for people who um, have a little bit more. Um, and those programs will cover the Medicare Part B um, premiums as well as some, um, some of the deductibles and coinsurances. What's really important about Medicare savings programs also is that for those people who are eligible, they get what's called um, deemed eligibility or automatic eligibility for the subsidy for the prescription drug or Part D program. And this is called Extra Help or Low Income Subsidy, LIS. 
and that program helps Medicare um, cover Medicare Part D costs. It means people who are eligible will have no uh, Part D premium or very low uh, premium. They will have no or very low deductible per, for prescription drug coverage, and they will have limited cost sharing, like up to $8 uh, a prescription for brand drugs. So it's a really important program. That program, again, the Extra Help Program, uh, people are eligible up to 150% of poverty. So even if someone's not eligible for a Medicare Savings Program for which they apply through Medicaid, they can apply separately online through Social Security Administration. They can apply for that separately, this Extra Help Program, and just become eligible for Extra Help. And that's a, just a really important program. Uh, Under-enrolled, because a lot of people don't know about it, but it really does help uh, pay for the Medicare uh, drug costs. Leslie, I appreciate the information you've shared with our audience so far. ADA Live listening audience, if you have any questions about the Medicare enrollment and the ADA or any other of our ADA Live topics, Please submit your questions at any time at our online forum at adalive.org. I want to pause for a minute now for a word from our sponsor, the National Council on Aging. The National Council on Aging works to improve the health and economic security of older adults. NCOA is the respected national leader and trusted partner to help people age 60 and over to meet the challenges of aging. The National Council on Aging partners with nonprofit organizations, government, and business to provide innovative community programs and services, online help, and advocacy. The goal of NCOA is to improve the health and economic security of 10 million older adults by the year 2020. The vision of NCOA is to build a just and caring society in which each of us as we age, live with dignity, purpose, and security. To learn more, visit their website at www.ncoa.org. Hi, folks. Welcome back to our show. We're talking with Leslie Freed of the National Council on Aging about Medicare, Medicaid, and benefits enrollment assistance. Leslie, you've shared a lot of information today, and as I said earlier, we've got a lot of moving parts and different things going on when it comes to Medicare, Medicaid, benefits, enrollment. Let's talk about some of the resources that are available. Where can people go for assistance or more information? So um, there are an abundance um, of uh, places to go. I would recommend um, certainly our own website, we, nationalcouncilonaging.org. We have some, some significant materials on Medicare um, enrollment and Medicare coverage because this is a complicated program. Um, also, my MedicareMatters.org, which is uh, our sister site, really focuses on information for the consumer. Medicare.gov, it is the federal website for people who are on Medicare or enrolling in, on Medicare, and that has some really good information. They also have what's called a plan finder tool. So as I um, spoke throughout this podcast, 
people can choose plans, uh, private plans that are uh, available in their state. And in order to figure out, well, how do I do that? I don't know what plans are available in my state. You can uh, get information on the Medicare.gov plan finder tool. Someone puts in their zip code, uh, they might list the drugs they're on, and they can find out what uh, plans are available in their state and how much it might cost for them out of pocket. Um, I would also recommend um, folks looking at, um, at the uh, Social Security uh, dot, the Social Security gov for enrollment information because even though um, Medicare coverage comes through the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, all enrollment is done through the Social Security Administration. Leslie, these are great resources. And one other one that I personally have found helpful on the that NCOA provides is the uh, BenefitsCheckup.org. And so I just wanted to put a plug in for that one personally because uh, I've used it with my um, parents and their friends. If I may interrupt, I was going to mention BenefitsCheckup.org, and I it slipped my mind. But I wanted to let folks know about BenefitsCheckup.org because People um, without putting in identifying information can put in their zip code, answer a handful of questions about estimated income, and then find out what benefits someone might be eligible for uh, in their state, in their community, how to apply uh, for the benefits, and uh, it, it, it's really a wealth of information. It has over 2,000 benefits for which someone might be eligible for, but it really is streamlined to the local um, community. So if someone is, is concerned about um, resources for a parent or a loved one or even for themselves, they can use the benefits checkup tool to really um, hone in on uh, the benefits for which they may be eligible. And it is always is focused on older adults. Other benefits tools might be much broader from birth to death, but um, the benefits checkup is focused on benefits for older adults. Leslie, thanks so much for expanding on Benefits Checkup. And we will have all of these resources that you've mentioned along with others on our website at adalive.org. And I can't believe it, but we're about out of time. So as we close today, what do you see as one to two critical takeaways for our listeners from today's discussion? So I think people have to plan early. In order to make a uh, informed choice, informed choice about Medicare and how they want to receive their health care, they need they should be planning maybe six months before they become eligible for Medicare. Um, number two, they need to reevaluate their choices every year, just like with open enrollment during your employ um, during employment open enrollment. It's really important for folks to 
reevaluate their choices every year because the plan they're enrolled in this year may not be covering um, their providers or their um, drugs that they covered in the past year. And number three, um, get assistance. There are state health insurance assistance programs called SHIPS that uh, can provide one-on-one -on -one objective, unbiased assistance, choosing, learning about Medicare, navigating Medicare, and helping make uh, choices in every state, in every community. Um, you can find out where the SHIP is in your state by going on SHIP, shiptacenter.org, that's S-H-I-P-T-A center.org, or calling 1-877-839-2675 because they can provide some assistance in navigating Medicare. Well, Leslie, thank you again for all of the great information you've shared with us today. I appreciate uh, you and the National Council on Aging for all of the great work that you do. And so, and I just want to remind our listeners that today's episodes and all previous ADA episodes are available on our website at adalive.org. They're archived in a variety of formats, including streamed audio from our website, accessible transcripts of the audio, and are also available to download as podcasts to listen to at your convenience. I also want to thank you, ADA Live listening audience, for tuning in today. We're thankful for your support and a listening to our series for this ADA Live broadcast. And as a reminder, you can submit any questions for any of these topics by going to adalive.org. You can join us on June 6th for our next episode of ADA Live. We will be talking with representatives from, from the accessible recreational facilities. Uh, regarding park creation, and if you have any questions about the Americans with Disabilities Act, please contact your ADA center at 1-800-949-4232. And remember, all calls are free and confidential. Thank you for listening to ADA Live Talk Radio, brought to you by the Southeast ADA Center. Remember to join us the first Wednesday of each month for another ADA topic. And you can call 1-800-949-4232 for answers to your ADA questions.